when we light the menorah, we have a beautiful tune and a beautiful song. After the lighting of the menorah, which is, of course, to commemorate the miracle of... Uh, of uh, so you sing Ma'oz Tzur. The whole world yeah. sings Ma'oz Tzur or they sing Dreidel Dreidel. But in Chabad, they have every time to do something different. They don't, uh, they, you know, or, or else it wouldn't be Chabad. No. So the Alter Rebbe in his Siddur, he wrote the passages of Aner Salolu. Other people say it too, but the main Chabad song oh, is, is Haner Salolu. They came, yeah. yeah. No, well, these were a little different. Haner Salolu. Haner I'll show you, I'll give you a link online if you want to learn the song, how to, how to do the song. But in any event, um, those words basically say these lamps that we light today, uh, that we light and we publicize uh, the miracle of Hashem and it quickly gives you a little bit of the of the uh, great miracles that Hashem did to us in those days during Hanukkah and why we're celebrating Hanukkah. Now, uh, it's a nice tune and uh, people, you know, there's a melody beforehand and and afterward it gets, it's, it's a little bit slow and then it goes fast, so it has like a lot of different ingredients. It's a nice song. Um, yeah, so after yeah, after lighting there, we said yesterday that after you finish lighting all the lamps, that's when you say yeah, the Nir Salalu. Sha too, right? Sha that's the blessing that you do beforehand. Right. So, right so yeah, we're talking about after. This is, you have oh, two, two, two or three blessings. And the first time you do three blessings right. before, and every other day you do two. And afterwards you say the Nir Salalu. Now, um, people during Hanukkah look, like to sing a Hanukkah tune. So, Sometimes people will sing just Haner Salolu at any time, you know, or when they light or the Lahama tune, they will sing Haner Salolu. When people would get together, like have a Fabrengan or something, they would sing uh, a get together, would say Haner Salolu. Now, the question is, what happens on Shabbos? Because Shabbos, of course, we know we're not allowed to light candles. And we're not supposed to um, even perhaps make a reference to it. So when we're saying, we're lighting these candles you don't want to be talking about Shabbos about lighting fires It's, I mean you're not lighting it but you're just talking about it but even talking about it is something so it brings down here that the Rebbe once said that the um, that the uh, the people should not um, um, really sing the words of an Eir Salolu better off is to just, you know, hum the tune. If you want to sing it, hum the tune. Friday night. Friday night or Shabbos day, you know, during yeah. Fabrengen. So they would only um, hum the tune, but they would not actually say the words. Now, let's have an interesting question when it comes to Shabbos. You know, on Shabbos, we have an, a special insert <coughs> in the benching, in the Birkat Hamazon. We do the Ritzay. And we've already discussed it. If somebody should forget the blessing of Ritzay, he'd have to do the Birchat Amazon again. Now, what happens, not at all meals, we're talking about uh, the Friday night meal and the Shabbos morning meals, if he forgets Ritzay, you'd have to do the Birchat Amazon again. Now the question is, what happens if you remember the first time to say Al-Hanisim? And you made a mistake, and you didn't say Ritzay. So that means Ritzay is the addition for Shabbos. So then you would have to go ahead and do the benching again. 
So the second time around, you don't have to say Al-Hanisim, because you said it the first time, the Al-Hanisim, even though you're rebenching, you're benching a second time, so you don't have to say uh, uh, Al-Hanisim. Now, that's a little bit... Um, that's a little bit surprising to me what the reason for this halacha over here is because it would seem that the reason why we have to do it a second time it would seem would be because uh, the first benching didn't really count so if the first benching didn't count why not do the right? so why don't not do the whole thing over again in the right way but you know al-hanisim in of itself is not as important we won't do the benching again because of al-hanisim so, but it says here that you don't have to, from the Shulchan Aruch, from the Alter Rebbe's Shulchan Aruch, that you don't have to say the al a second time if you are re-benching. Now, um, I would have to guess, even though it's not written directly over here, maybe it's written in some other place, I didn't read through the whole thing. What happens if you forgot Yalav Yovah and Rosh Chodesh Hanukkah, let's say Rosh Chodesh Hanukkah, and you forgot Yalav Yovah, right? But you did say Alanisim. So then you have to daven the, Shem- the Amidah again. Would the same rule apply that you're not going to say Alanisim the second time because you already said it once? I don't know. It doesn't say here. It doesn't talk about it. Maybe it says it elsewhere, but I, I didn't see that. But that would be the similar, the same same situation where you're doing the, the davening again, and do you say alanisim? But, but isn't the benching different than the davening? It is different, but I mean, as far as this, uh, but as far as re-davening and oh, saying the right things again, um, and you know. I'm also going to assume, again, that you have to look it up in the Shulchan Aruch, see exactly, you know, let's say the person makes two mistakes in the davening, which both of them would require him to re-daven again. So say it's Rosh Chodesh, and it's uh, the Saint Talumotor, okay? So he, 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 he has to say, and he forgets, let's say the first time he forgets saying Rosh Chodesh, right? So he has to daven again. And the second time he doesn't say the Saint Talumotor, he has to daven again. But every time he's going to daven, he's going to have to say the right both of them together. If he should forget one thing and not say it, he'd have to do the whole thing over again. It seems that's what I'm saying. It seems to me that when you when you didn't do it, you, you it's a wrong service. You didn't do the service. You got to do the whole thing over again. So it almost seems to me that again, I'm not sure, but I have to look it up. The halacha. So, but over here you see it's different. That he's telling you. He seems in the, in the he seems to in the say that it, if you want to say it you can say it it's not going to be an interruption it's just saying it's not a requirement but you know saying alanisim would not make you say it over again either maybe something as important like Saint Talamotor which is a very important piece because if you don't say it you have to do the damid over again maybe something like that you have to fix, but something like Valanisim, which is not something that you have to do it over again, then you don't have to when you're fixing your davening, you don't have to put it in a second time, maybe that's why that's the reason for over here so, uh, perhaps, but it, it seems to say that if you want to put it in, that would be okay uh, okay to do that but he's basically talking about Birkat Amazon, but if the same thing would apply by Amida uh, if, he, if he said Alanisim and he didn't say Rosh Chodesh or he didn't say Visein Talumotor, uh, over here we do, we, we're not saying it anyways, I mean we have to wait till uh, by, by Hanukkah it's already going to be uh, yeah, I think Hanukkah, when does Hanukkah come out? 
is going to be in the middle over there. It's already, we're going to change the Talmud, but in Israel, or in any other case, in where you would have to, so would you not add Alanisim? Okay, I'm just basically asking the question. Would you not have to say Alanisim also by the Amid? That's something that I need to look up, look, look up further. Um, but the other thing is to remember, by all these things, you know, when you're talking about here, not mentioning uh, Ritzei, uh, there's a whole lot of halachas. I don't want to go into it now, but at what point there is another blessing over here, which depends on a various different things. Uh, after you finish the first three blessings from the Torah, the Bar Brachman Shulaim Main, finish there. If you remember certain things that you've forgotten, whether it's Rosh Chodesh, whether it's uh, Yalav Yavo, um, and there's various different halachas as far as that is concerned. In your sitter, uh, after the, the blessing of Ben Abraham Amen, there is things to insert in case you've forgotten, like the Ritzei or forgotten the Yalav But you have to know when to say it. It not always applies. Like, for example, we're saying now that uh, forgetting Ritzei, which is the, again, the insert for Shabbos would only require you to repeat it if it's during the mo- night or the morning, but not Suda Shlishit, for the exact same reason we've been discussing now, that there are opinions that say that you don't have to eat bread on Suda Shlishit. If there is no requirement to have to eat bread, then there is no requirement to have to rebench by missing something, because it's only if that day requires it. So Suda Shlishi doesn't require a meal, then you would not have to bench again if you missed out a part of that. The same thing is with the holidays, and this is a whole discussion, it gets a little complicated, but just follow the sitter, that gives you the clear instructions for each time is what to do, yeah? considered less of an importance than the Amidah, right? And Actually, no. Really? Actually, the other way around. Really? Because the source... Okay, you're, 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 you're very right for, for asking that. And uh, like that's a good question. A that, that's a good question. That's a very good question. But the interesting thing is that you'll find out the only blessing that is directly mentioned in the Torah where the Torah says to, to bless Hashem is actually the grace after meal. The Torah says, V'achalto, v'savoto, uveirachto. You shall eat and you'll be satisfied and you shall bless. That's in a, that's in a Torah portion. Torah portion, right. And we say that, V'achalto, v'achalto, Now, because that's the Torah, the Torah tells you that after the meal you have to bench. And that's after specifically talking about after a meal that you're satisfied. Now, given that the exact language of the blessings, the way we do it, is based, the rabbis instituted the exact version, the ver- the words that we say, and the words that we use, but the basis for benching God after the meal is based on the Torah. The prayer that we pray is from rabbinic origin. Although there is a concept of the Torah of prayer, prayer in the Torah would mean it's also in that verse in the Torah. It says, Serve God with your heart, which is interpreted as meaning prayers. And many other verses in which there's a reference to prayer. But that prayer is at all not the type of prayer that we do uh, during three times a day, which correspond to the sacrifices, which have all these blessings. Those have been 
developed by the Chachamim, by the sages, by the rabbis, they instituted that. The Torah mitzvah is to pray to Hashem. If you have something bothering you, uh, you need something, is you talk to God. That means to pray to God. That basically expresses the concept that there is somebody that who has the ability to help you, that you are expressing that you have faith in Hashem, and that you know that He could, if you... If you pray to him, you can have him help you. So that, first of all, brings about that trust that you have a belief in a God. And number two, that expresses also that you believe that he can help you in your situation. That's why you pray. But that prayer isn't uh, subject to any time or to any specific uh, frame of, uh, of, of, of form of service or things like that. So when you ask me the question, what is more important? Well, the grace after meal, even though the structure is, is from the rabbinic, the grace, the concept of benching after a meal is based on the Torah. But the concept of praying three times a day or doing is not based on the Torah. That's based on the rabbis. They have instituted yeah, that. The Torah actually says when to do it. Meals, yeah. But I must caution you, yeah, over here the Torah tells you when, when to do, do it. it. Yes. The other doesn't say, it just doesn't says to do pray. it. When you want, you'll That's do right. it. That's right, the Torah from the Torah, exactly. Right. So now there's also another, yeah. but there's something else very, very important to know, which is, which, which is just something important to know all over, across the board, that whenever the rabbis instituted something, right, it's not any less important than the Torah itself. So you're going to say to me, well, this is from the rabbis, this is from yeah, the Torah. Right. But the answer to that is, the Torah tells us that we should listen and follow to the rabbis. So basically, the Torah has told us both, that there's a positive and a prohibition, of we must follow the uh, rules of the rabbis, and we're not permitted we're, to we're, violate. We're to it says, You shall do as they instruct you. That's the verse. And also says, And not to turn away from the things that they tell you, right or left. You must listen to them. So the basic principle that we, the rabbis tell us to do, and let's say about Hanukkah, this will be a perfect demonstration for this concept, this idea. What is the blessing that we do? You say, Baruch Hashem, Blessed are you, God, our God, that who has sanctified us with your commandments, and you have commanded us to what? Or Chabad says Good, you said it right. Absolutely, absolutely right. Now you tell me, you're blessing God for commanding you to light the Nerim Hanukkah. Where does it uh, open up? And the whole Bible, and the whole prophets, and all of the writings, and the whole Tanakh, and all the scriptures, you're not going to find anywhere commanding. How are you saying to Hashem that you commanded me to light? Hashem didn't command you anything. It doesn't say anywhere that He commanded you. So why are you saying? Oh, because when the rabbis command you something, and what I'm saying to you now is not is from the Talmud. The Talmud explains it that way. Okay. okay so when the Torah, where did God command us? When the Torah tells us, listen to the rabbis, that is what He commanded us. So when we're fulfilling a mitzvah from the rabbis, it's not any less important. We are actually doing that which Hashem wants us to do. Hashem told us you have to listen to the rabbis, and therefore, it's on the same obligation, just like we uh, Torah tells us what to do directly, the Torah also tells us to listen to the rabbi, they'll tell us to do, so it has really the same force. So one will argue, one can argue and say, but wait a minute, we know that there are rulings 
in halacha, which make a big difference. If it's a ruling of the Torah, we rule one way. If it's a ruling of the, 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 the Rabbanan, the main, the main, in the various different expressions, but the main thing is like this. When a person is in doubt whether he's fulfilled a mitzvah of the Torah, we go to be stringent. Then we say, do the mitzvah again. But if you're not sure if you did a mitzvah of the Rabbanan, then we are lenient. That means a suffix from the Torah is l'chumra, you go stringent. If you have a suffix from the Rabbanon, which is a rabbinic right. origin, then you be lenient. Then you don't have Talmudic era. Or, or anything beyond yeah, the Torah. Beyond the Torah. After, after the Torah. Then you get different rabbis with different ways. No, of but there's ways of way we, we, we rule, the ruling remains, okay. which is edged in stone, which is not something that anybody can change. Okay. So, we have that ruling. So, but if we just said, no. if we had just said to you, that the rulings of the rabbis are also based on the Torah. So why would there be any difference in the rulings? How come there is a different approach? And the answer is because that is the ruling of the Torah itself. The Torah tells us that when, why do we do different things differently? It's because that's what the Torah tells us. The Torah says that when there's an issue of the Torah, then you're stringent. And if it's an issue of the rabbis, then you be lenient. That's the ruling of the Torah, what the Torah tells us but, to do. So rabbi, that's the instruction of the Torah to say to us. But, but it doesn't mean that when, you ha- when you're doing it, you're doing anything less. You're doing, right. matter of fact, a lot of times we find the expression that the words of the rabbis are even more stringent. stringent. And a lot of times the rabbis have added stringency to people to have respect. And many times we find in the Talmud that we have situations where they were worried about that people aren't going to take it serious. They're going to say in like certain institutions, like the second day of Yom Tov, for example, right. which we know today is not really Yom Tov. It's not the real day of Yom Tov. And yet the rabbi said, well, everything should be exactly the same because we don't want to make you any, any sense that you should feel that this is somehow not, 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 not as important. And, this, and sometimes it's even more important. And there's actually various halachas and also expressions. Sometimes we even say that a tradition, which is not even for rabbinic origin, because there's levels. There's the Torah, then there's rabbinic, then you only have a minute. You have something which is a tradition. Tradition is not directly uh, instituted by the rabbis. And yet sometimes we find the tradition is sometimes even more important than a actually than actually a mitzvah. We see that sometimes. Uh, tradition would be like, let's say for example, a tradition would be if you have like uh, Jewish people, let's say distinguished, like in the dress, for example. It's a tradition. It's a traditional garb, let's say, that you wear. Or you have a traditional language that you speak, right? Uh, or a traditional language, which is the three things, language, clothing, right? And looks, the way you look, you know, you're, you look differently. Now, there's no halacha per se that you have to look differently or you have to speak differently. There's no halacha. But it's become a tradition, like, right? Something like a tradition. So it's, it says that those things saved the Jewish people from Egypt. That was the merit of that. But the point is, the practical uh, application of this is, the fact that you're distinguished helps you to stick as a community, will help you do all the other mitzvahs. So sometimes your tradition is what keeps you together more than the actual rules. Because if you have people that celebrate Pesach today, or they celebrate Hanukkah, whatever uh, holiday it may be, they're not perhaps familiar with the actual ins and outs of the laws, but they're doing the tradition. 
And by doing the tradition, that's an opportunity of being part of the larger picture, being part of, of the Jewish people. Maybe they think that by eating latkes and eating donuts, they become their 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 Jew. That's their Judaism. That's the extent of their Judaism. You know, I told you the story about this this rabbi who was hired for the job, and uh, and he. Uh, came to the first Shabbos and he wants to give a, a, a drusha at the pulpit and the president asks him what are you going to be talking about this sermon, this Shabbos and uh, the rabbi said I'm going to talk about keeping Shabbos and the president says to the rabbi says, you can't talk about it in our shul because you know all the people in our shul don't keep Shabbos and you know you're going to talk about it you're going to chase them all away you know you're going to insult them you know who do you think pays your salary he says it's, it's the people so you can't talk about it okay so he he uh, I don't know he didn't talk about it then the next Shabbos he comes back again and he says what are you going to talk about this Shabbos he says this Shabbos I want to talk about kosher about eating kosher he says, well, you can't do that. Not in this shul. He says, the people here, they oh, nobody keeps kosher. And, you know, you're going to insult them, everybody. And they're going to stop coming to the shul. And you're not going to get your salary paid. Okay. And then the third week, he says, what do you want to talk about today? He says, I want to talk about women going to the mikvah, about family purity, I want to talk he says, you must be totally uh, off your... Uh, how, how are you going to talk about... You're going to insult you know, the women in our show there. <laughs> and you're going to insult them so terribly that they're not going to come back. Can't do about it. So the rabbi says to the, to the uh, president, he says, okay. He says, look, you hired me as a rabbi. He said, you would like me to give a sermon, right? Yeah. So he says, so tell me, he says, what would you like me to talk about? He says, if I can't talk about Shabbos, I can't talk about kosher, can't talk about family purity, he says, what do you want me to talk about? He says, I don't understand. What's your problem? Why don't you talk about Judaism? (laughs) (laughs) Okay, talk about Judaism, you know what I mean? But sometimes the traditions that we have are the ones that are actually most powerful ones. And the Rebbe actually uses this concept to explain why when we have the four questions on the Seder, we start off with the question about dipping the, um, twice in the, in the, by the Chabad tradition, we talk about dipping the two times in during the meal, okay? Once the uh, Karpas and once the, uh, later on the Moror and the Charoises, the two, two different times. And Rebbe says, well, the first time of the dipping isn't even a halacha. It's not even a rule. It's just a custom. It's a tradition. And yet that comes to first question because sometimes our traditions is what keeps us alive, our language. If you take a look, you know, when people used to live in Mattapan and Dorchester and Roxbury, it was just a sense of community. Even the people who were practicing or not practicing, if you'd walk out, there was Yiddish, there was butcher shops, there was kosher. It, the whole environment was, it was an environment of a Jewish environment. It was easier for people to be part or when they chose or when they wanted to learn as opposed to when they all ran and they went into different suburbs and different places. So people lost what they had. There was no more the sense of that community. So sometimes the traditions is what keeps people... Well, makes even it, the most makes non-religious it people on Pesach would buy matzah. My matzah. It was easy, it was available, it was the thing to do. It was in the neighborhood. It was the tradition. Yeah, well, matzah is actually an obligation of the Torah. But it's a Torah commandment. These people are not religious. They never go to shul. They don't keep kosher. They don't keep kosher. They don't do anything. But for Pesach, 
They feel <laughs> it's funny you tell me that. They have to do it. This, they, this, this fellow tells they me they you non kosher food on the matzah. Yeah. The, the, oh, it's so funny that you tell me that. Yeah. Because the guy tells me he owned a restaurant. No, that's what they did. He owned a restaurant, and during Pesach, during Pesach, it was a it's a trefer restaurant. And during Pesach, he's sitting, he's, he's on the restaurant, he was back in the kitchen cooking over there, and he hears there's some ruckus going on over there in the, in the restaurant. He goes out, this guy is besides himself. He's eating a trefe, whatever, <laughs> a sandwich over there, but he is besides, how come there's no matzah for Pesach? <laughs> Which, you know, he wants matzah. <laughs> Pesach together. There's restaurants that are kosher that... In kosher style. That kosher style. That, yeah. Uh, we used to be in in uh, in the South End. There was a premier restaurant, and it was it was it was kosher style. Okay. Yeah. But for, when you went in there for Pesach, there was a box of mutts on every table. Yeah. 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 Okay. So. Yeah. Doesn't the Torah say we should eat? separate from the non-Jew? Uh, and does it even say you should live separate from the non-Jew? Not exactly. It doesn't say so in the Torah. This was later on instituted by the rabbis. The rabbis didn't... They made several rules just to keep the Jewish people together separate. But that's another, that's but another like, discussion. Like Latkis, you know, that whole thing, that's, yeah. that's a minhag, right? Oh, yeah, sure. Yeah. No, it's it's based on the miracle took place with oil. Oily foods become... Right. In the right. olden days, oil was something very supposed Donuts, to be very healthy. Oil, yeah, yeah, that's right. All, all based on... Uh, olive oil. On oil. On olive oil. That was the miracle, yeah. really healthy. And they didn't make it out of spinach those days. They made it out of real potatoes. And <laughs> well, that's why I got an order for 120 and a half. Yeah. For next week. I heard on the news that a pastor married his homosexual son. Okay. No, no, let me tell yeah. you. And, so no, he's, uh, and everyone is so mad they no want him to resign. Listen, Marty. And he said, Why should I resign? Even though it says in Leviticus, man shall not lay with man, it also says you shouldn't. Continue now on. Um, so the bottom line is that we were talking about the, the, even though we talked about that certain things are from the Torah, from the rabbis, the, the so Dominic. Whatever the Talmud says pretty much is what they go along. They go along, that's right, absolutely. With the that's, Talmud that's, and then later on by the tradition as it's followed along. Yeah. Let's just uh, finish up over here with the, um, with some of the rules of uh, Hanukkah and Shabbos because I want to get to also the, um, of course, we talked about the, the Torah reading, as we spoke about already, about what the Torah readings would be for Hanukkah and Shabbos. Right. And, of course, the special prayer that you put in for Shabbos, which is Sitkoscha by Mincha, which we don't say when we don't say Tachanon. We're not going to say on a Shabbos Hanukkah, because Hanukkah there is no Tachanon. But on the whole week of Hanukkah. On the whole week of Hanukkah, but this prayer is put in. On Shabbos we don't say Tachanun, but there is oh, just right. three three verses that we say by Mincha, but when we don't say Tachanun, besides the fact that it's Shabbos, then we will not say that, those, those three verses. So on Hanukkah, Shabbos, we don't say that. I just wanted to mention what the procedure of lighting of the Hanukkah is on Saturday night. When, when Saturday night, when you light the menorah, so in the shul... We do it after Marv. Usually we do it between Milch and Marv, but before, right. we can't do it before still Shabbos. And one has to make sure, you know, Shabbos isn't over until you make Havdalah. And I'm not talking about Havdalah on the cup. People usually call, that's another Havdalah, which you make on the cup. But in the Amida, in the davening of Marv, there is the Atachon Antonu, that is the special 
separation of the davening. Do you know that you make Kiddush actually in the davening? On Friday night you make Kiddush also. So the both the Kiddush and Avdol is first done in the prayer. Then we do it on the cup. That's an additional institute. First we do the Kiddush in the you do Yom HaShishi by Chul HaShemayim. By Chul HaShemayim you do that in the in the prayer you do that. And also uh, on the Saturday night we also do Havdalah in the prayer of Saturday night. We do the Atochon Antonu. But it's certainly Shabbos doesn't end for you if you did Marev and you didn't say Atochon Antonu or you didn't say at least Baruch HaMavdil Ben Kodesh Lechol. That's at least uh, separation Kodesh Lechol. So Shabbos isn't over. Then you might have to hear Avdallah first and you have to wait for Avdallah. But if a person is going to light the Hanukkah menorah, the Shamash, the Gabbai, whoever is doing the menorah, uh, the Chazan is going to light it, he has to make sure that he has said Atochon Antonu before he can go ahead and light the, uh, the menorah. Now the tradition in Chabad by 770 by the Rebbe was that they lit it before they said Oleinu. Oleinu is the last part. So they would say it before Oleinu. Shabbat's out by then. Shabbat is out. And we said Atochan Antonu already. That's what already said Baruch HaMavlu. We didn't say forgot Atochan Antonu. So Shabbos is out. And you light the menorah before you do Oleinu. Uh, you do the other passages, you know, on Friday, Saturday night we have the Inoyim Kodesh, but before you do, you say the Kaddish Shalom over there, he says the ends the Chazan, and before you do Oleinu, that's the Chabad tradition, that we light the menorah at that point. Um, the um, uh, way we do it in the house is, is the order, the shul, the shul, yeah, now we're talking the Shul. Now, if people make uh, uh, um, some people make Havdol in the shul, not necessarily. I mean, it's nice for people to make Havdol in the shul because especially if there's some people that don't go home and make Havdolah. But, you know, sometimes people don't make Havdolah necessarily in the shul. But in the, uh, in the shul also, after you light the menorah is when you make the Havdolah. So we just said you light the menorah. And if you're making Havdolah in the shul, you first do the menorah and then you do the Havdalah. As we said, you do the menorah, you light the candles before Aleinu even. And the Havdalah comes afterwards. You will do make Havdalah if you make it in the shul. Some people don't make it in the shul, but if you make it in the shul, that's when you do it. Yeah. But how can you do light the Hanukkah menorah before Havdalah? Okay, so that's why I said this Havdalah of the davening. Oh, the what davening. You, that's the crucial That's part. the crucial. The Havdalah of the davening or, the, or, or at least you say Baruch HaMavdal. Right, okay. But then you do Havdalah. But then in your home, it works different. Right. In the home, first you make Havdalah and then you do the lighting of the Hanukkah menorah. Right. And then you do the V'yitin L'chav. This is different. Ashkenaz does it a little bit different. They say V'yitin L'chav before. But in Chabad, we do the V'yitin L'chav. That's the prayer that follows Havdalah. There's a special prayer that follows Havdalah. And we do that normally after Havdalah. But at home, we do it this time in between the... Uh, we first make Havdalah. And then we light the Hanukkah menorah. And then we say the V'yitin L'chav. That's the order uh, in the way. The, 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 sorry? Yeah. It's in this sitter, right after Abdullah. It's not yet. It's a whole. It's based on the blessing of Yitzchak uh, giving to Jacob that we read in the Parsha recently. And it also has a lot of very beautiful verses and talks about all the blessings that we get. It's beautiful, beautiful verses of throughout 
of collection from various different places of scriptures, different places in which it mentions all different blessings. And, you know, for the new week, when Shabbos is gone, we need all the encouragement that we can get and uh, all the blessing we can get.